making the American people part of your experiment. A short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. But he's a racist American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. Let's kill our way to freedom. Welcome back to the Cold War, episode one sixty two. Still talking about Tito. Yeah, we are. Right. Yes, and we will be for some time because he's that good. Yeah, well, it's a fascinating story yeah. that, um, as usual, I knew next to nothing about before oh, yes. we started this, and I'm I'm loving it. I'm loving learning about it. I'm loving loving learning laughing, learning like about that. a part of the right, <laughs> a part of the world uh, that I knew nothing about, and uh, I hope everyone listening is enjoying coming on the journey with us. Yeah. I do have to ask real quick, you mentioned in the last episode you're trying to learn how to pronounce names and cities as we go through theirs, and I assume, like me, you've been going on uh, internet and looking up the cities, and these are some really gorgeous areas of the world that gorgeous. I would love to travel oh, to yeah. one day. It would That would be yeah. awesome. Um, one of my best friends uh, lives in Melbourne. His wife is from um, Croatian uh, uh, descent. Right. I think her parents are Croatian. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember telling me when I was in my early 20s, they, they, they'd they been there on a holiday and they're saying, oh, look, it's the most beautiful part of the world. Yeah, you love mountains. You know, you can, be on a, you can be on one of the most beautiful beaches in the morning and in the afternoon, you can be skiing. Yeah, in, I saw on a, a picture somewhere. I, like, I saw a picture today. It had ice. It had snow on the mountain. People on a boat on the lake having a great time. I saw. So yeah, we we got to go one day. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to going and doing another Ray and Cam road trip. Uh, this time we'll take in. We'll do the the Tito tour. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, we'll yeah, Tito it up. Go and yeah. kill us, kill us some Nazis <laughs> while we're there. Kill us some fascists. <laughs> Now, you mentioned in the last episode that all of these guys had mistresses. Yeah. Um, Gilas said to his wife, Mitra, who was with them in Ushisha, that most of the men in the Central Committee, including Tito, had pretty secretaries. Yeah. Who obviously did a little bit more than the old typing, yeah. if you know what I mean. Dictation. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more, right. say no more. Dictation. <laughs> Not as, as good as a wink to a blind man, eh? Exactly. Uh, it goes with power, said his wife. In Serbia, a minister without a mistress is unthinkable, wow. said Gilas. Mm. Now, um, I like to think of uh, us as the ministers of podcasting. Right. Um, you know, I'm not the, I'm, look, I'm not the inventor of podcasting, but I'm one of the uh, inventors. Founding. I invented history podcasting, long form right. podcasting, right. you know, Skype podcasting. Yeah. I, I like to think of myself as at least. Uh, a vice president of podcasting, <laughs> mm-hmm. a minister for life. Right. Uh, so Where, hold on, I hold think. On. Whereas I mm-hmm. run the mailroom. So in your metaphor. <laughs> so up there too. Go ahead. Please continue. Yeah. 
Yeah, he came along ten years later. I mean, I well, that's, I think even the mailroom was well well taken care of at that stage. The, You're the assistant <laughs> to the person who runs the mailroom. I think hurtful, but not untrue. Please continue. Uh, in his autobiography, Gillas mentions that the first partisan prison was well run. Didn't really differ much from the prisons that they ran after the war. Uh in which he spent many years himself. So he knows a thing or two about <laughs> post-war prisons. He, he said torture was applied selectively in special cases and executions were carried out secretly at night. That's how I like my prisons yes. run. Yeah. I, I did right. want to ask, yeah. do you think they're purposefully being trying to be different than the Eustacia, or is that just kind of like... We don't want to waste our time and resources. Look, if if I can't trust what you're going to say into torture, I'm not going to take six hours and do that. I, I wonder if they just decided to be humane to try to stand out from, from the Eustachian and all the cruelty, cruelty that, that they were dealing out. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it may have been that, or maybe they just weren't batshit crazy <laughs> like the Eustachia. We're here. we got a job to do. We haven't got time to fuck around with torture. Let's get on with it. Yeah. I see that. I mean, listen, I mean, uh, as offensive as torturing somebody and executing somebody is, Mm -hmm. when you're in a war and you're in a a civil war as well as fighting foreign uh, occupiers of your country, these are tools of the trade. Right. Um, This is before the Geneva Conventions. uh, And, you know, we know America's been torturing people in the last 20 years and probably still is today, Abu Ghraib, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, when you need to get information out of the enemy and they're not giving it up willingly, uh, torture is a, a tool that's yeah. been used throughout history. Um, I, I have serious questions about the utility of torture. I mean, are people just going to tell you what they think you want to hear? It's yeah. hard to know if it's effective. I know with the Abu Ghraib uh, and the, the Gitmo uh, tortures, the I think the, the investigations on them after the event suggested that they didn't get a single piece of usable information out of all the tortures that they did there. Yeah, I think I heard that. So it's debatable as to whether or not it's a useful tool, but it's definitely a tool that's used. Executions, again... Um, in, in a wartime, in a civil war, whilst the idea of executing somebody is horrific mm-hmm. uh, in, in normal times. In war times, you don't have the luxury of uh, keeping people in prison for 20 years, particularly if they're the enemy. Right. Uh, you know that if you, they're released or they escape or when you're when you're enemy comes and the like the the opposing armies come and take the prison and release them they're just going to end up fighting you and maybe killing your people that executions yeah. are sometimes used for a whole variety of reasons because you can't afford to take them with you in your baggage train um napoleon gets a lot of shit for executing prisoners i think when he was in Egypt, before he left mm-hmm. egypt and he was like well if i just leave them here we we we're, we're going if i leave them here they will be freed and then they will come and they will fight and kill my troops. Yeah. Can't have that. If I, if I just leave them in prisons and they don't get rescued, they will starve. So he argued 
that the most humane thing to do was to execute them. Um, yeah. Now, you know, agree, disagree, but that was his justification. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, an explosion happened at the Red Republic's uh, powder store and armaments factory, possibly an act of sabotage. Yeah. And then when the German tanks started approaching on the 29th of November, Tito gave the order to G-T-F-O-O-D. Get the fuck out. Head south. Go to Zlatibor is how I heard it. Um, the partisans did the best they could. I personally think the explosion was sabotage because I think the Germans came soon after that. So blow up their armaments factory. They can't make any more weapons. The German tanks come rolling in at the end, near the end of November. The partisans got to take off. They've got their wounded. And because they are communist and they believe in propaganda, they take their printing press. They also take several boxes of silver. And it was a close call because I think Tito was one of the last to leave and he almost gets cut cut off, surrounded and captured, but he was able to get away and meet up with his guys. But again, their their great experiment has come to an end because the Germans, who probably think they're the ones who killed those 10 German, uh, 10 German soldiers and 26 German soldiers, they probably think the partisans did it. They're there to probably wipe them out for that. So these guys have got to go on the run to fight another day. Do you know what the boxes of silver were for? Um, oh, don't tell me. Um, they were in the form of bullets in case any of the Germans were werewolves. Exactly. Yep. Nazi werewolves. Fucking nailed it. Got to defend oh, yourself against Nazi werewolves. That. That's a good They're the movie. worst kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd watch that. How Nazi you... werewolves <laughs> from hell. <laughs> I'm trying to think of Better the... Better um... still. Right, right. Female Nazis in bikinis. Sexy Nazi werewolf bikini babes from right. hell by am, Ray and Cam. I'm there. I'll buy a ticket. Hey, Steve Ellis. Steve yeah. Ellis, if you're listening to this, Get on let's it. make that comic book. You've already <laughs> done the werewolf comic. Now, yeah, just put some. Let's do the sexy yeah. Nazi werewolf bikini babes from hell oh. by Ray Cam and Steve. <laughs> there you go. I am killer. Yes, we're going to be rich. I seriously hope I get to work with Steve one day. He's a great comic book uh, artist, and uh, I really want to. We've been talking about it for like six years. One of these days, we've got to get around to doing a project together. It would be terrific. Right. Um, So, uh, yeah, as you say, Tito nearly got captured. He left Usisha about 20 minutes before the Germans entered. So he left it to the last minute, obviously collecting everything, getting everyone out first. Captain remains on the ship. Get his hat. And uh, he was, yeah, he was then cut off by tanks and came under rifle fire from infantry who were only 150 yards away from him. Um, The rest of the crew, Gilas, Kardelj and Rankovic, they got out first they're waiting for him, thinking, shit, maybe he's captured, right. maybe he's arrested, maybe he's being tortured himself, maybe he's dead. He finally showed up at midnight uh, after a 20-mile march, and they were all obviously very happy to see him, lots of hugs and kisses and reach-arounds. <laughs> Tito <laughs> put down his submachine gun, asked for a glass of water, and announced that they had to continue moving. 
So they basically yes. got up and kept kept moving. Um, but, the German tanks could mm. be heard following as they continued their retreat. But this is only the beginning of these dark times for Tito and his people. Yes, they almost get captured and wiped out by the Germans, but it is November. They are in the mountains. And so the winter of 41, 42, because they had to just grab and go, they're not prepared for this. When the, when the cold weather comes, when the snow comes, there's going to be a lot of people who suffer from frostbite. They're going to have toes and feet amputated as they are dealing with the elements and the Germans have, who are professional soldiers, are going to come along later using skis and be able to attack them. So the, the partisans are just being outclassed in every way. And like you said, they either keep moving or they die because the Germans will catch up to them. So, again, these are some really rough times for these people who are used to being uh, who are used to hard times. But still, come on, it's the middle of winter, high up in the mountains, and you're not dressed properly and you're being chased by professional soldiers. It can't get much worse than this. Hold on. Sexy no, Here we Nazi go. Here werewolf right. bikini Dot babes com. Dot com. from hell Dot com. You gotta on skis. <laughs> On skis is the oh, sequel. Snow bunny. I'm just snow bunnies. Just, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just making a note. <laughs> Coming up this summer from Ray and Cam Studios, sexy Nazi werewolf bikini babes from hell on ski from the studio that brought you sexy Nazi werewolf bikini babes from hell comes the sequel the world has been waiting for sexy Nazi werewolf bikini babes from hell part two on skis get a sneak preview Sunday 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 that's a big thing in America I don't oh, know if anybody else does yeah we're gonna be rich no. okay anyway <laughs> So uh, they keep making their way south. They're heading to Bosnia. Tito nearly gets caught and killed a second time. Damn. They're chased by angry locals, Germans and Italians. Everyone's blaming them. Everyone's after them. And on top of this, they're scorned and rejected by Moscow for being useless and causing trouble. One morning... Mm -hmm. One morning, uh, they're, at a, they're at a cottage where they're holing up. Tito's having his daily shave, already done the shit and shower right. bits, now he's doing the shave. Uh, someone spotted Italian soldiers only 250 yards away from the house. Oh, my God. Oh my they God. have to pack up and just run for their lives. Tito grabbed his submachine gun ran for cover, briefly exchanged fire, and then took off. The cottage owner's daughter-in-law, who had given birth to twins the evening before, surrounded by partisan communist rebels on the run, this is always the sexiest way to give birth, she was left behind and killed. Right. But the partisans rescued the babies, took them with them. Sure, sure. One-day-old twins without the mother. Tito himself was expressing milk through his nipples. This isn't something that gets talked about enough, but he managed just just through the force of communist willpower, (laughs) managed to express... No, it was red. It was... 
it was red milk, right, of course, but still, of course, the best. Yeah, and and they they called them Slobodan and Slobodanka, right? Which are the male and female versions of free. Oh. And because they were brought up drinking communist red milk, Tough as shit. they became super communists right. and uh, went on to conquer the West and rule the world. Uh, as, as we, we all know, we, that's why we live right. in a communist utopia today. Exactly. Thank that's, you. Thanks to Slobodan and Slobodanka. <laughs> that's history and science all rolled, all rolled into one. But to add insult to injury, while they're going on and the partisans and the Chechniks and in some areas of uh, former Yugoslavia are exchanging shots against each other, they overhear a report on the radio of Stalin. And they're like, okay, get, gather around the radio. They all gather around. And Stalin is saying that Colonel Drazna Mikhailovich is the one who's leading the forces of resistance in the area. He doesn't mention Tito. He doesn't mention the him almost dying several times. Drazna is, get, Drazna is getting all the press. And this has just got to be hard for T- Tito, who's fighting. He's almost dying. He's losing people. They're going through hellacious. And he's not getting any credit. Uh, but knowing Stalin is as clever and as crafty as he is, is he not mentioning Tito to spur him on? Or is he truly cut him off thinking there's no way this guy's going to be able to survive all the fighting that's going on in the area. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man, but I am just looking up. Um, man expressing milk? You know. Sl- sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Red milk. I'm leading, I'm looking up uh, Slobodan and Slobodanka. Right. Uh, seeing if I can find out what happened to them. I've f- found this website here. I'm just trans- trying to translate it. Uh while you're doing that, I'll just say one more thing. And then it gets even worse for Tito. Back in the United States, Time magazine chooses Draza Mikhailovich as one of the most popular allied generals in 1942. There are some people who's not even sure what side he's on, because as we're going to find out later, he's more focused on taking care of the Serbs than he is getting rid of the foreigners. But he, along with MacArthur, Timoshenko of the Soviet Union, and Chiang Kai-shek, are voted the most popular allied generals of 1942. Tito was nowhere in the running. Again, it's just another blow to his probably sizable ego. Ugh. Horrifying. Yeah. Imagine hearing that uh, these these your enemies right. are being oh, like fated by. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be like Stalin coming out and saying, "You know who the great, who the greatest history podcaster is? Dan Carvey." Like, fuck, come on, Joe, dude, you're killing After me. After all the shit I've taken for yeah. you over the years, really, you can't give me one. Don't do me like that, Joe. Just one. Fuck. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jezia, uh reports on this whole thing. He said he was listening to a radio broadcast from Moscow mm-hmm. in Serbo-Croat. Suddenly I jumped up and told Tito, listen, Moscow is speeding of the fighting in Serbia against the Germans. Listen, it's they us- say Draza is leading all the forces of resistance. Tito stood still, aghast. I had never seen him so surprised either before or after that day. He merely said, but that's impossible. No, it's not, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. So after all this, Tito basically is depressed. One of the rare times he's not full of confidence um, and... You know, after the the, the the defeat, they get runned out by the Germans yeah. and the Italians. 
Um, Stalin's even saying Mihalovic is the real leader. Tito offers his resignation as the party secretary in favour of Kardelsh. But the Central Committee say... Are you fucking kidding me? Get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? You're crazy. Hey, oh, yeah. what, are you, what are you talking about? You're fine. It's just a spot. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Go home. Everybody has a hiccup. Don't worry. It's all good. But w- would you, do you have, uh, what's your opinion on this? Those three men that are around Tito who say, no, this is a bad idea. Do you think it's possible that maybe they said, no, you should keep your position? Because if you do quit, Moscow might think this entire operation that we're running it's just gone to hell in a handbasket. And as we know, Stalin is capable of ordering someone to be removed if they have disappointed him. That might be reading too much into it, but I think that they still I, I think they still had faith in Tito. And it's okay to acknowledge that you fuck up. You learn and you move on from there. Yeah, Gilas wrote about it later. Mm. He said, I barely had time to interject, but that doesn't make any sense when Rebar and Rankovich expressed much the same thought. <laughs> Gillis is going, yeah, I, I was I was going to say that too. I was just thinking <laughs> oh, oh, that, Dibs, but uh, they Dibbo. they beat yeah. me to it. But no, no, I, he was really going, yeah, I think you should give me the job, really. You suck. And he was like, no, no, what they said, yeah. Cardell's took the floor, also rejecting Tito's self-abnegation, less with emotion than reason. In the given situation... Tito's act might be interpreted as an admission of an incorrect policy. We calmed down and discovering within ourselves the inescapable shadow of Moscow elaborated on our reasons. Moscow would not understand Tito's resignation and would conclude that there was disintegration within the party and the revolutionary movement. Tito was clearly pleased with our reactions. Yet one should not conclude that he was merely testing us. No, he was guided by a feeling of responsibility for the failure in Serbia. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's worth stopping and, and thinking about this in terms of Tito's character. Now, remember, when Gilas wrote this mm-hmm. years later, right. uh, he and Tito were on the outs. Oh, yeah. He was gone. He was out. You know, he'd been in prison. He was considered an enemy of the Communist Party. So he is no, and he wrote a lot of harsh stuff about Tito later in life. Right. Um, but he said, no, this is genuine. So, when you get your classic, like, can you imagine Donald Trump uh, offering to resign yeah. because he fucked up coronavirus and, and the, the protests and the riots right. um, and the economy's fucked? Uh, you know, Make America Great Again has turned <laughs> into 100-plus thousand people dead from a virus, yeah. uh, 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 the economy, 30 million people unemployed, uh, yeah. um, burning and looting and rioting in the streets. Uh, can you imagine Donald Trump going, you know what, I, I think I fucked up, guys. Really, I have to do the right thing here and right. fall on my sword? Well, no, first of all, to answer your question, no, but just to back it up a little bit, for it, to have him admit he made a mistake about anything in his entire life, I've never heard that much going, you know what, I think I've bit off more than I can chew. I'm not a politician. I don't know the game. I don't know what to say. I'm just a straight shooter, billionaire who's a businessman. I, I'm out of here, and I just want to, I wish you all well. You'll never hear that from someone like him because, I, I again, I think Tito has a massive ego, but I think he genuinely cares about Yugoslavia. He wants to see um, something good happen for the people because, like you said, for hundreds of years they've been killing each other. But I, he could not have been displeased when his guy said, no, 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 you stay. You are the guy to lead us. I'm sure that didn't hurt his ego either. 
Susie Quattro, baby. Oh, Susie awesome. Quattro. The right Isn't balance of just... guitar, horns, keyboard, bass. Yeah. That was fucking awesome. Oh. Yeah. I love Susie Quattro. And that's from one of her least appreciated oh, albums. No. You know, big fan of that. I discovered that album in the in the eighties and uh I've always loved it, but it's not it's not uh huh. it's not one of her right. you know, when she started putting brass and shit and a bit of funk yeah. in her uh in her stuff. Oh, she I got away that. from the straight up, you know, bad girl rock and roll right. sort of thing. Um People like, eh, mm. you know, people turned away from her, but um I fucking love that. That was, cool. yeah, that, was love it. that was grooving. Oh, and one more thing about Tito during all of this shit he learned a valuable truth about war. There are times when people don't want to hear about your thoughts. Oh, when I'm the leader, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. It doesn't matter if we're all fucking dead. I need someone who can fight. I need someone who can win. And I can need someone, preferably, who can keep me alive. So Tito learns, you know what? I've got to, I've got to be the best leader politically and militarily that I can because we could lose this all if we don't start, you know, Doing a lot better than what we are right now. What was Susie Quattro's character's name on Happy Days? Can you remember? <sighs> oh, 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 was she Arthur Fonzarelli's girlfriend, Tescadero? Yeah. Oh, fucking nailed it. Good I had no fun. idea. I had no idea. What was it? Pe- Good call. What was her first name? Pe- something with a P? No. No. T? No. Well, you're close. In Greece, right? the movie, which was the inspiration for Happy Days, you had a character called Pinky Tuscadero. There, that's what I was thinking of. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what was her. Pink, what was her name? Uh, Susie Quattro's name was Leva Tuscadero. Oh, she was supposed to be hard. the older sister, ha, ha, the older ha, sister of hard. Pinky Tuscadero. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna need, and I'm done. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was in love got, with her I've as got a, a kid watching Happy Me Days. too. I yeah. got it here, man. <laughs> Here we go. Over here, Leather. Oh, there she is now. Oh, here she is cool. Hubba, hubba, hubba. All right, Joni, what's shaking? Kyle. Well, Joni, are you going to introduce us? Oh, sure. Leather, this is Ralph Mouth. Pow. Charm. And uh, this is Patsy Weber. Pow. <laughs> Likewise, I'm sure. This is my brother, Richie. How? 
Nice. Oh, Good she's memories. hot, all dressed in leather. Yeah, slap oh. it. Slap it. Anyway. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, there's another one. God. And done. Okay. She's still around, Susie, too. She's 70. Oh, Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Wow. That was a trip down memory lane. First real name, uh, birth name. Uh, leather? Quattro, Quattrochi. Oh. Her grandfather was an Italian immigrant named Quattrochi, which means bespeckled, <laughs> um, but was shortened by the immigration authorities to Quattro. Yeah, it's easier. At Ellis Island. Right. And, uh, you know, yes. It works. Good call. I mean, <laughs> out of all the <laughs> Good on you. It's the second best right. Ellis Island name change after they changed uh, Vito... Corleone. Vito... Uh, yeah, well, what was his name? Vito... Corleone? Uh, oh, shit. No, well, that's no. what they changed his oh. name to. He was from Corleone. Right. And they cha- they just put him down as oh, Vito Corleone. His outrageous. name was Vito Andolini. Yeah. yeah. Vito Andolini from Corleone. They they call him Vito Corleone. Yeah. By the way, um, here's, a, here's something I didn't know until now. Susie Quattro's sister, right. Arlene, <laughs> is the mother of actress Sherilyn Fenn. Speaking of horn dogs, <laughs> Sherilyn, F- Sherilyn <laughs> Finn played Audrey Horn on Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. You ever watched oh, uh, yeah. the original Twin Peaks? Oh, yeah. So, you know, um, Audrey, her dad runs the uh, hotel. Yeah, he did. And Audrey's w- wear- always wearing like little skirts yes. and uh, sweaters, and she's always like trying to. Get it on with uh, we all need hobbies. With, yeah. with Agent Cooper. She's sex on a stick. She's right. always swat, sashaying around. It's, <laughs> it's like Love Boat. It's just stationary. That's all. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's the oh. same thing. Yeah. And right. her father, Sherilyn Fenn's father, Leo Fenn, was uh, the manager of Susie Quattro's band, The Pleasure Seekers, and Alice Cooper and the Billion Dollar Babies. Wow. So there you go. Small world. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm spent. My God. Sherilyn Fenn and Susie Quattro. Sister and Arnie. Right. And niece oh. together. Oh. oh. And a third oh. time. Oh. Right. <laughs> anyway, back to Who? Tito. Tito. There's lots of Tito's going on there. I'd like to see Sherilyn Fenn's Tito's <laughs> in the early days. Right. And Susie Quattro's. Right. Oh, my God. Yes, he bit off more than... Well, (laughs) that's where I was. He offered to resign. Yes. Um, And I think this says a lot about his character. Like, insane guys. Right. uh, You know, your classic, crazy, brutal, insane (laughs) dictator. I don't think Hitler ever offered to resign. No. I don't think Stalin ever offered to resign. Um, But Tito did. Right. Uh, you know, Tito offered to resign, and uh, I think that says something about his yeah. character that it's just a note. You look for these little notes along the way exactly. when you're trying to figure these guys out. Yeah. That's like, okay, well, there's a guy who was like, okay, maybe I'm not the right man for the job after right. all. I fucked up. I mean, I love the hat, don't mm. get me wrong, but maybe I just don't have the right head for it. And uh, and, and like you said, uh, Gilas thought he was being – was it Gilas that thought he was being sincere? When he yeah. offered it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 
It is suggested in some of the sources that um, maybe these guys, Tito and the Partisans, really understood what had gone wrong in Serbia and why Stalin was backing Draza Mihaljevic. Mm-hmm. They they were kind of learning the hard way that yes. that in wartime people choose their allies based on how successful they are, not necessarily on their ideology. Yeah, need a winner. And yeah, yeah, winner, winner, chicken <laughs> dinner, and it, and and this and this is obviously going to play a large role in Tito's decisions moving forwards. Ooh, yeah. And and again, and I want to make the point here that when Stalin publicly acclaimed Mihalovic. Yeah and not the communists as the leaders of the people's revolution against the Nazis, yeah. that is probably the point when Tito goes, you know what, <laughs> fuck you and the fucking horse you rode in on, Uncle Joe. If you're going to do me like that, yeah. I'll do you back. Yeah. And as we know, <laughs> it's not the last time right. Tito said to Stalin, you try and do me and I'll do you first, motherfucker. <laughs> and, oh, whoops, you died a couple of months later. So, hello, thank right. you, you know, vine, vidi, vini, vidi, vici, motherfucker. <laughs> Veni, vidi, vici, right. titoi, right. you know. That's but, all I'm saying. But another lesson besides... I uh, everybody wants to back a winner. I get that because this is war. There's no second place. So the other part, the other lesson that he learns is at the end of 1941 and the early 1942, Churchill and Stalin, who are supporting Drazda, they are supporting him because they think that he's going to be popular with the Serbs, and his popularity is going to unite the people against the Germans. Because for right now, Stalin and Churchill, the only thing they have in common, the only thing they give a fuck about is defeating the Germans. And if Drazna, who could be someone who screws donkeys at night or whatever, it doesn't matter. If he's popular in the day and the people line up together and they fight effectively for him, that's all these guys cares, care about. So one, Tito has got to become a damn good commander Two, he's got to get large groups of, of diverse people to like him so he could unite them, so he can get back in the race of trying to get major support from the Allies. I don't like the way that you said screwing donkeys in the middle of the <laughs> night like it's a bad thing. <laughs> well, against you... their will. I always ask. I give them a you... carrot. Sorry, sorry. Like are you, yeah, are you changing? When you start talking negatively about having sex in the middle of the night with barn animals, I'm starting to... Starting to worry I'm, that you're evolving, right? Okay, I don't like okay. that. I want you to stay exactly where you no, are. Don't no. evolve. <sighs> Major announcement. You're like a Seinfeld. Right. You're like a Seinfeld character. Don't, you don't, don't learn. Change. Don't you don't progress. Change. Yeah, right. you don't. You don't evolve. Okay. You just so, stay who you are. I should get rid of my two thousand dollars sex doll, fully uh, fully automated, and yet get a blow up sex doll of a donkey. That way, I really haven't changed all that much. This is what I'm hearing. It sort of defeats. Defeats the purpose of the donkey. They don't push back as hard. The uh, yeah, yeah, I have to do all the work you know, myself. It's it's not as much fun. Yeah. Anyway, defeats the purpose. Uh, Churchill is a good point because Churchill obviously did a deal with Stalin, yeah. even though Churchill hated the communists and the communists hated the the, the British, right. the capitalists. Churchill, of course, as we've said before, declared that uh, even if Hitler invaded hell. 
Churchill would make a courteous reference about the devil in the Commons, House of Commons. Right. So, you know, he was Dang. like, yeah, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. Right. And ideology be damned, yes. I'm looking for partners and it doesn't really matter who they are. As I mentioned, I think in the last episode, Churchill even sent a liaison officer to, to work with Mahalovich. He was Captain William Hudson. Mm-hmm. And young King Peter was in exile in London. So, you know, the British were pallying up to the Chetniks. The Chetniks, of course, wanted to restore young King Peter in the monarchy. And the British saw the partisans with their communist slogans and their red star caps as just sort of alienating the Serbs who weren't communists. And they were. And they're for splitting the opposition to Germany. So best to pick the guy that's going to have the most popular support and... You know, Stalin in the process was burning his own guy. Damn. But you're right. You either win for me or I don't want to hear excuses because the Germans are, uh, excuse me, the Soviets are still getting their ass handed to them by the Germans. He needs he needs help in any form that it, that it comes in. Of course, that's exactly what Tito's trying to do. Yeah. He's not getting credit for it, though. draw the Germans away from Russia. Yes. Yeah, right? Yes. He is putting his own life and the lives of his people on the line to help Stalin, right. and Stalin burns him. Bitch. But, of course, for the same reasons, Realpolitik, yeah. uh, not too long later, Stalin and Churchill will oh. flip sides mm. again, and instead of supporting the Chetniks, yeah. they'll support Tito. Yeah. But for now, Tito feels burned by Stalin, and it's easy to understand why. It's easy to understand why that is one grudge. It's going to be very hard to forget. Yeah. So so Tito and his people are marching from Serbia. They've gotten their ass kicked. They clearly need a new plan, not only to help try to win the war, but... It's like you you want to downplay your communist stuff going on, but at the same time, you want to make sure that you come out the winner. You want to come out on the winning side, and you want it to be a state that's communist that you're in charge of. So it's a very fine line that he has to toe, but he still needs to sit down, have a good think about this, and how can I get all these ducks in a row and still get what I want? So he's got, so he's got some mm. thinking to do. So... Tito, around about this stage, mentions to Gilas that in war, the peasant goes with whoever is strongest. Yeah. So, you know, they they don't really care about philosophy or ideology. They care about their farm. They care about their family. Yes. The lives of their family and their friends. So it's real politic at a local level, right? Yeah. They're going to deal with whoever they think is going to defend them and defend their interests the best. Exactly. So in December of 1941, Tito sets up the proletarian brigades, the core of his army, right. and establishes his new base in a Bosnian town, Foča, which was at the time in the NDH, the Ustasha-run independent state of Croatia. Now, the reason he was able to do that is about six months before he got there, the Ustasha and some of their Muslim comrades had come in and 
grabbed a bunch of Serbs and uh, casually uh, held their heads over a large vat that had used to be used to be used to store fruit pulp and slit their throats and bled them out into the vat. Jesus. So the people there were ready yeah. to do something. <laughs> they were looking for help and Tito happened to get there first. Although I think before he got there, some Chetniks came in being led by a drunk white Russian officer. Right. I don't know why there are white Russians still around in 1941, <laughs> but there you go. Right. He obviously got the fuck out of Russia in 19. 19- 18, 19, 20, and, and ended up in Yugoslavia. He, um, they, they took their revenge by seizing a bunch of Muslims, binding their arms behind their backs, binding their legs, and then throwing them off the bridge Jesus. into the river to drown. Before we before we go on, uh, there was one thing I wanted to mention. I'm not sure exactly when it's in the timeline, but I think it's already happened. You were mentioning these proletarian brigades. At some point when um, Tito was talking to the Serb farmers, I believe, and he was trying to get them on their side. As we said, uh, they didn't like communism. All they, cared, they didn't like outsiders. All they cared about is their farms and their families. And what Tito figured out was that he needed people who would fight, who weren't worried about consequences. It didn't matter if um, the Germans or the Italians or even the Serbs or the Ustasha, doesn't matter, uh, would go lay waste to a town. He needs people that um, maybe preferably don't have any connections with a certain area. They can travel all over the former Yugoslavian fight and they can stay long-term in the armed forces. He needs basically uh, the beginnings of a professional army who are loyal to him, will fight anybody that he says, and, and will just keep fighting and not stop. And so I think he's beginning to form that as well. So again, I think he's learning as he's going along. He's learning military and political lessons from the masters like Churchill and Stalin. And every time he makes one of these little mistakes or he tweaks his his uh, his thinking, he's getting be- he's becoming a better leader. He's going to become the Tito that we all know in the history books. Yeah, yeah. He's starting to realize that he needs a different approach. Yeah, it can't just be about selling communism. He needs to sell unity. Ah. He's the he's really the only guy who yeah. I mean the the Chetniks have their thing. They're about restoring the monarchy, which a lot of obviously Serbs and Croats don't want. Um, you got the Ustasha that are selling Catholicism and yeah. kill the Serbs, kill the Orthodox. Um, he's the guy that is going to rise above all of their petty. Differences, the religious and social and racial feuds that have been tearing them apart. Do you know what we call that nowadays? I remember when Clinton tried to do it and he's in the White House. I don't know if it was a term invented at that, not invented, but used at that time. Maybe it's older than I think, but they would they would call it triangulation triangulation. He would set himself above the two to be over them, to be separate from them and yet trying to bring them together. I think that's a brilliant Mm. move on his part. I thought he, I thought Clinton called it um, cigar and the pussy Asian. There's um, many different set, titles for it. Hey, we just I'm going to set my dick yeah. above <laughs> my intern's mouth and triangulate. Oh God! Her mouth and my dick and her pussy all together in the Oval Office. It comes in many forms. 
It really does. Yeah. Now, historical documents uh, make it clear that Mihalovich, the leader of the Chetniks, had planned an ethnic cleansing Dick. of the people right. of the country if the Chetniks took power. But for him, cleansing probably wasn't a euphemism for murder like it was for Ante Pavelic right. and the Ustasha. Still. It was just mass emigration. Right. Okay, we're going to get rid of all of these uh, undesirables. Mm-hmm in Hillary Clinton's term, uh, out of the country. We're going to move the undesirables out and uh, just keep the the pure Slavs that we want. What if nobody wants them? Uh, Well, then we'll, I don't know, the the Germans probably have some ideas around what to do (laughs) there. Good point. Yeah. Now, Tito eventually decided they were too unpopular in Foccia, and the Germans and the Italians were closing in, so he left for Montenegro. Oh, God. Going back to where they had started, <laughs> where the first disaster had happened. Right. He's like, oh, that was like a year ago. People have forgotten yeah, about that. Surely by now. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he headed back there. But when the Chetniks captured a woman named Ruchika Rip. She was a Jewish medical student and a girlfriend of a partisan officer. They hanged her, conforming to the Montenegrin prejudice that a woman wasn't worth a bullet, according to one of the books I read. Oh, God. A woman is not worth shooting. We'll just hang her. So the Chetniks haven't changed their outlook or their hostility towards the communists. The partisans. Yeah. Jesus. She wasn't a soldier. Right. She was a medical student and a girlfriend. Right. A Jew, by the way, mm. uh, you know, this is the, the partisans don't care if you're a Jew, as we'll see later on. They were welcoming of Jews as well as Catholics yes. and Orthodox. They didn't really care because Tito yeah. is rising above. Right. Triangulating. But it was in Montenegro that Tito decided on his big plan, which was to march west into the heart of the NDH, the independent state of Croatia, right? where he believed he would be able to get Serbs and Croats and Muslims to all rally to the partisans, that they would have had enough right. of the insanity of the Ustasha and the Nazis and the Italians, and he would be able to just make his stand there and and really bring together all of these people with his new message of unification of Yugoslavia. One people, one vision. Doesn't matter where you you come from, we're going to have one people. Right. Can't we all just get along? Yes. How big your dick is. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't know. And that yeah. is known as yeah. that is known as Tito's Long March, as opposed to Mao's Long March. Right. This is Tito's Long March. Yeah, it starts on June twenty third, nineteen forty two, and sadly, again, there's just one bad thing happening uh, after another for Tito. On the day that he sets out, King Peter of Yugoslavia meets with Churchill and FDR in the United States, and again, they're talking, and no one's probably mentioning Tito's name at this point. In fact. He had recently been defeated by a Chetnik support group um, who uh, supported King Peter. So, again, Tito is going to have this episode of depression. He's feeling like he's failing the party. He's still getting attitude from Russia. So 
things aren't really going his way, but I think, and you made this point earlier, I think 99% of the time, this guy has a very positive outlook, a very confident view of himself, and he is going to keep pushing forward. Now, at one point uh, on the march, the partisans took shelter at a little Serbian village whose inhabitants unwillingly right. let them stay there. They had guns, so they didn't say, look, we need we need a place to rest for the night, so yeah. we're staying here. Right. Then the partisans left. Uh, the next day, the Ustasha arrived, and Gilas had to return to the village a few days later where he found a heap of corpses, women and children, and a huge pile of torsos and severed limbs and murdered mothers clutching their murdered babies. Now, I just have to say real quick, because we said a second ago he's going into the heart of the NDH, um, which may sound crazy, but as long as the Eustasha is doing stuff like this, he is going to look relatively calm and peaceful and whatever compared to them. So I think it's a shrewd political move on his point, but that doesn't mean there aren't any risks. Yeah, right. Um, but I wanted to make the point yeah. here too that there's a big difference. I said before, executing soldiers. Right. And coming in and just murdering women and children and severing limbs and making a pile of it. I mean, that's what they're dealing with. We did now in our Ustasha episodes their their treatment of people in concentration camps. Yes. Um, but this isn't even in a concentration camp. Obviously, the Ustasha, uh, the the they formed the Croatian Home Guards now, sort of the Croatian army that are roaming around assisting the Italians and the Germans, mm-hmm. and uh, they're just brutal, absolutely yeah. just animals, absolutely yeah. animals, Catholic, doesn't Yugoslav animals. Yeah, women, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing here, there's nothing pragmatic in this, unless you want to argue, well, now they can't shelter any more of the enemy. Um, but there are other ways you could do that. You could burn the village down and send all the people somewhere else, I guess. That'd still be brutal, but just mass murdering uh, women and children uh, takes a level of depravity and insanity that is difficult to justify even for pragmatic reasons. And if I could just say real quick, I I won't go too far, but even Hitler is going to hear some of these stories and go, God! Damn, guys, do you know how many enemies you're making every time you do that shit? It's going to come back and bite us in the ass, and he's going to have to take steps. So even Hitler recognizes the stupid stupidity, the um, frutility. No, that's the word I'm looking for. Even the, the frivolousness of this. It's, it's all it's doing is creating destruction and making enemies who are going to remember the stuff down the road when they have a chance to be on top of you. And he was like, listen, I like being bitten on yeah, the ass. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking but, about uh, here. Yeah, yeah. there's a time and a place <laughs> for getting bitten on the ass. Vegas, right. mostly. My favorite know, place yeah. to get bit on the ass is where the tattoo of the Red Star is at. I don't know. That's a sweet spot. Anyway, we should probably move on. I don't think Stalin had one of those. He had a swastika on his ass. Yeah. And he he had a swastika. Stalin had a red star, mm-hmm. and Churchill had the king on his right. ass. That's, uh, That's very yeah. patriotic. Yeah. So the partisans 
kept marching. They moved into western Bosnia and Herzegovina. Found the Italian troops had just withdrawn to the coast. But at a small town of Livno, Mm -hmm. they found 700 Croatian guards, or Domobrans as they were known, who quickly surrendered. But the Ustasha and some German civilians offered resistance. They were overcome. Gilles describes the Ustasha they found there as unpromising store clerks, barbers, waiters, high school dropouts and village toughs, except for a young woman who proudly refused to recant her principles. Damn. And she and most of the Ustasha were executed by firing squad. Yeah. But Tito, again, this might sound cruel, but it's nothing that the Eustasha hasn't been doing. But they would have taken hours to torture everybody. But going one step further, Tito sees the German engineers. He keeps them alive. Why? Because maybe he can trade them for partisan POWs. So you can be in charge of a military, but you always have to have an eye on the larger goal. And if he can get some of his people back, that's always to the good. Mm. That's a real leader. Yeah. So as they started moving through Herzegovina and Croatia, they found a lot of Serbs willing to join their ranks now that the Italians had gone. Mm. Uh, Gilas wrote, there were no political groups in the villages save the communists. The local communists told us with malicious joy how the Ustasha had first killed off the bourgeoisie in the towns, priests, merchants, political party leaders, so that we were left with the people, pure and simple. Right. So the Astasha had kind of done a lot of the work for them. Yeah. And uh, the only people left were the, the the secret communists who somehow survived. Yeah. And the people were the people were looking for strength, as we said before. Tito mm-hmm. realized that people were looking for whoever could be strong to support them and if these guys got there first, uh, the Chetniks weren't operating in this area, so the because they were obviously sort of quasi-allied with the Germans at this stage, and the Germans had done a deal with the Ustasha. So the, um, the, the communists had sort of free reign to yeah. soak up all of the people in these villages. But the Chetniks showed, did show up there eventually, and uh, the Italians were left stranded, and weak when they withdrew to their Dalmatian coast. Yeah. On their way to Bihach, which is my favourite <laughs> town in Yugoslavia, <laughs> Bihach, <laughs> uh, which was in northwest Bosnia where the, where the Muslims, it was mostly a Muslim-controlled region. Yeah. The partisans torched. Some Chetnik villages yeah. burnt to the ground. The birthplace of Gravillo Princip, oh the guy who started kind of World War One, yeah. provided the justification for World War One. Anyway, Thanks, uh, where was I? On their way to Bihach. <laughs> best. Right. Do you know name for a town ever? Right. So you know how that conversation went. Where are you from, Bihach? That's right. What's right? Where I'm from? Where what? are you from, Bihach? Where are you from, Biatch? I told you. Yes, you've got it right. I'm fucking out of here, Biatch. No, that's a town. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done. Abbott and Costello were there. They were part of the uh, partisans, and they took it back to America. Right. 
300 Chetniks were executed there, according to Gilas. Yes. So they're, you know, they're, they're full on fighting Damn. against the Eustasha and the Chetniks, their own people at this stage. Right. Hey, civil war, baby. And the Eustasha defenders killed themselves with hand grenades when they saw that they were going to lose. They didn't want to be taken prisoner. And so uh, th- this is how intense this is. When it's, it's always this way when it's a civil war. You don't take prisoners. And Tito will write in December of 42, the Serbian people know well why our national tragedy occurred and whom the main culprit culprit was. He's not talking about the Germans. He's not talking about the Italians. He's talking about the Eustasha, but everybody knows that. So everybody here is focused on internal fighting and the foreigners can wait their turn. This is uh, this is internal and this is personal. Gilas also writes about more mm. atrocities they discovered along the way. He said, young Eustasha had fun with the girls in this manner. <sighs> When they shook hands with them during walks, they would place human ears, fingers or noses in their hands, just like village toughs who get a kick out of offering tobacco pouches with snakes in them. Now, some of this stuff may be propaganda on behalf of the communists against the Eustasha or you know, justification for their actions. You know, these are the enemy. They might be exaggerating in later times Mm -hmm. their atrocities. But we do know that the Eustasha were brutal and batshit crazy. Yes. I don't think that is disputed. That's not communist propaganda. That's, you know, even the Nazis thought they were fucking crazy and brutal. So so it's, it's probably believable. Yeah. And how, yeah. how do you think that would go down, Ray, in uh, Virginia if you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, were trying to hit on a girl? Uh, what would go over best? Like, is it the is it a finger? Is it a nose? Is it is an ear that um, you slip into a hand. Believe it or not, pork grinds are a, a, a delicacy here. So, oh, you mean body parts? Wow, um, sounds good. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. A, a finger with a really nice ring on it. I, I don't know. Oh, I don't, maybe that's, yeah. Until I got Heather. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Whose finger was uh, it? I don't know. But I was hoping it was D'Angelo's, but he didn't come along until later. No pun intended. I, I don't know. Yeah. 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 She would probably, if it had been, she would have saved that <laughs> finger because it would have been. Yes. A treasure. You know, like the finger of Jesus. Thick and six inches long. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I know we're going to end soon, but the point is Tito is going to get another chance to set up a settlement and experiment with a communist government. Mm. But um, even years later yeah. when Gilas you know, was on the outs with Tito yeah. <clears throat> and the Communist Party, um, he kind of dismissed the idea that the Eustasha massacres had caused the Serb revolt in the NDH. Right. He said, this line of thinking never occurred to anyone at the time and belongs to a subsequent stereotyped approach to political reality. Mm. But it did occur to the Germans at the time. In their military archives, there's evidence that they believe that it was the Eustache's brutality that you know, caused uh, the Serbs to rise up against them. Right. Tito himself wrote in the uh, Proletet newspaper in 1942, the Serbian people have given the greatest contribution in blood to the struggle against the invader and his traitorous assistance. Right. 
The Serbian people know well why our national tragedy occurred and who the main culprit was, and it is for this reason that they are fighting so heroically. The main culprit, they're referring to the Ustasha, not the Germans or the Italians, not the foreign I have to, invaders. Do you agree with Gilas about that? I would think it would be the very intense, violent, random, no reason given for the killings that would drive people to join the communists that they normally, I would think, not want to join. So I don't know if I, I mean, he was there. I wasn't, don't get me wrong, but I just find that hard to believe that that kind of brutality on a massive scale did not drive the people towards the partisans who seemed to be the only hope. Yeah. Um, I, I really can't understand what he is suggesting yeah. here. Why else would the Serbs be rising up? I mean, maybe to fight the Germans and the Italians, um, but yeah, after what the Ustasha were doing to the Serbs, yeah. absolutely, that seems to me like the natural justification of them rising up. Yeah. But I, I guess I want to point out here that when we look at Tito, just to finish up this episode, mm-hmm. um, when we look at his rise to power and his power uh, and the, the, how long he stayed in power and, you know, the things that he did later on to stay in power... Mm-hmm. We have to realise that this is the country that he is running. You had yeah. one lot of Croatians brutally murdering Serbian men, women and children mm-hmm. uh, for no other reason than religious intolerance. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you've got the Chetniks, Serbians, allying themselves with the German and Italian invaders mm-hmm. Uh, of the country to, you know, basically kill other um, uh, uh, Slavs, the partisans here, but they're they're basically supporting the the invaders and want to restore the monarchy. Right. So th- th- these guys, it's like the partisans could say we didn't start the fire. <laughs> It was always burning since the world's been turning. But they're not helping. Uh, even, yeah, I mean, they, they, I mean, yes, they did start some fire when they were fighting the Nazis, but they're fighting the foreign invaders, which is a justifiable, justifiable form of, of uh, starting a fire, I guess. Right. So this is what Tito has to deal with, but as we'll see in the next episode... He's a long way from success yet. He has a lot of uh, defeats to still navigate before he starts to have some successes. Friggin' immigrants. Galloping cockroach. Galloping cockroach. An iron curtain has descended across the continent. Galloping cockroach. 